devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Similar or the same as two weeks ago, uh, grander vision living. And I think it's wonderful that we had a week in between where we were out amongst the community in so many ways with, with such an open invite for people to come. We've just spoken about our church service in the park last Sunday. What a wonderful gathering it was. And as we think about having a grander vision, a bigger vision, it means that we're not just going through those everyday, ordinary activities. It is not just that normal life that everyone lives. This is a vision that's bigger because it involves God. It is bigger and it is incredible because God is at work through this vision. And as we saw last week, it's one that the disciples got. Remember they were out fishing? They caught all those fish in that miraculous sign. And instead of fishing for people, they became fishers. Sorry, instead of fishing for fish, they became fishers of people. The other way around. And on top of that, the idea of, of just having this radical love for God, and as the disciples got that, as they understood the cross, as they understood the resurrection, they started loving people, giving their life to make people a priority, having their life in such a way that they wanted to get the good news of Jesus out. They cared about the gospel. They cared about sharing it. And that's what this grand division is all about. It's about let's not work on this temporary stuff. Let's not focus on the stuff that comes and goes. Let's focus on what God is doing. Let's have this bigger vision for this wonderful world that we're in and which God would have us take the good news of Jesus out to. Following the example of Jesus to care about people and about where they sit before God. My own situation, I am here today as a pastor because a friend of mine, Adrian, did what we talked about. He walked across the room. We were in a genuine friendship and in that friendship over time, he pointed me to Jesus. He was persistent at times, but he was genuine and he cared about me as a person. And through that, he pointed me to Jesus and I've came, come to faith as a result. So the reality of walking across room the room and caring about people, it makes a difference. My life has changed. I was self-focused and insecure. I was lost. I encountered Jesus and now I'm a new person. I'm in God's kingdom and I've been found and I rejoice in that. So it is always worth walking across the room. And I want to unfold, I want to sort of really lift up, I want to um, just really affirm the importance of prayer as we walk across the room. Remember we were talking about there being sort of like a circle of comfort that we don't want to leave because it's nice here, it's comfortable, we're not sort of challenged. But as we walk across the room, as we actually take those steps and we go and we spend time in this zone of the unknown where things are different, where people might say funny things or they might drink alcohol and excessively and get drunk or there's stuff that might go on that, that might happen in that whole journey. 
I want to just really affirm that we pray throughout, that we be devoted to prayer. Because on each step, as we go and as we talk, as we tell those stories uh, about what's significant to us, as we care about people and those friendships, as we discern the next steps, I want to affirm that prayer is essential and it is powerful. And I want to affirm that the Apostle Paul in the Bible, he realized how important prayer was. In fact, he's sort of saying, well, I wouldn't even start leaving this circle of comfort until you start praying. The importance that prayer is here, it's on the journey, and it's there when we're with people. And as we're pointing them in the right direction, every part of it is soaked in prayer. And that's what takes us to this reading in Colossians. This beautiful prayer that I think affirms everything that we've been talking about in Just Walk Across the Room. It starts in Colossians 4 verse 2. It's calling us to be devoted to prayer. It's very straightforward. Praying that we will be watchful or that we will have an alert mind. So much of what we're to do is actually to have our eyes open and our mind awake to what's happening. So often in society, particularly when it comes to people's free time, they're trying to escape. People aren't, aren't, aren't wanting to be engaged necessarily. They're wanting to, to escape in that movie or escape in, those, uh, in that drinking or escape in that activity. But we're called to be alert all the time, to have an alert mind that as we're praying, we're aware of that, of what's going on, what God's doing. And then... What's the second word? To be watchful and thankful. Have a thankful heart. Isn't that something wonderful to pray for? That we will be more thankful? That we can actually say thank you for what you've done, Jesus, for my life. And as we're thankful, it means that we're just rejoicing in God and we're not so worried about those temporary things. It's the opposite of seeking after the things of this world when we're thankful for what we already have. Isn't it good to be thankful for what God has done and to pray that that thankfulness will grow? And then the Apostle Paul, he doesn't stop there. He asks for them to continue to pray for him, to pray for the apostles and the evangelists, the, the workers out doing ministry, that God will what? Open up a door. That God will open up a door wide open for new opportunities for the good news of Jesus to be spoken. That, that this prayer will, will be about the mystery of Jesus becoming made known. Because the reality is so many people, it is a mystery. They don't really get Jesus. They think it's just a religious show, a lot of what Christians do. They don't understand that God's plan of saving people, God's plan of rescuing and blessing, it's all been made available to Jesus. And so this prayer is about praying for other people to go out as they too pray for us to go out and to proclaim this prayer. Paul at that time was in chains. He was in jail. And yet he was praying for more open doors to be able to go out and pray. And then it continues in this prayer. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. We've been talking about that, about telling stories and, and talking about faith, and we've been talking about telling it plainly and clearly, not to waffle on, not to use weird religious language, not just to make it bizarre when we share faith. 
We talk about the gospel. We talk about it clearly. We talk about it so others can understand. And Paul's asking for prayer so he can do that, even as an apostle. So that's something that we can pray for. And then there is the prayer to be wise, to live wisely. Christian character is so important because we can say all sorts of words over here that are all about God's goodness and about how God is wonderful and how he's done these things and how God's way is the best. And then our actions are over here somewhere and they don't authenticate it. People call us a hypocrite because our words are, 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 are so different to our actions. They're, 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 they're not helpful. And straight away, if people see us living in a different way, they will see straight through us. It has to be authentic. And then we see for that prayer to make the most of every opportunity. We were just talking about praying on every step of the way, uh, on this walk across the room, this whole idea that as we get opportunities that we will make the most of them. This is a prayer about being deliberate and focused because we can go into a situation and we can just talk about the weather. We can talk about things that are, are just everyday conversations that aren't really making a difference. But as we discern those next steps, as the Holy Spirit guides us, we can be deliberate and focused and find those appropriate next steps. And then, verse 6, he prays as well that their conversations will be full of grace. I'm not sure. Yes, it is. Always that your conversation always be full of grace. That's quite different than what you might expect. Because we might expect Paul to say, well, you should go there and tell them that they are broken, ungodly people and that they need to change their behavior. He's not saying that. He's saying that we should be full of grace. We actually go and spend time with people and we're not pointing out their mistakes or failures. We're not saying you are in trouble because you've done this or, or this wrong that you're doing that. It's actually accepting people for who they are and accepting them with their life situation. But in that grace, we point them to God's love. We point them to the goodness of Jesus. And as we speak, our conversations are seasoned with salts. Salt is tasty. We pour it on our food. And this is using salt in the positive way, that they might taste God's goodness and blessing as we speak. We see that this prayer is all about us having a right response to everyone as we guide them, as we speak with them, as we, I guess as we have that conversation, as we walk across the room. This is an affirmation. These, these five verses, they're just affirming that prayer is to govern everything we do, saturate that process in prayer, and that as we go, God is with us and that God can do good things. It's just this reminder that we should pray and it affirms everything we've been talking about, about stepping out, walking across the room. Well, we're going to watch a, a, a bit of a video now from Bill Hybels on this. There's a passage in Luke chapter 5 where a guy came to uh, hear Jesus talk, and uh, his name is Levi or Matthew, same guy. And um, 
When Jesus saw him, he challenged him to leave everything and to follow him, which he did. And sometime later, uh, Matthew threw a party at his home with all of his old tax gathering friends. He invited Jesus and the disciples to come. And the way I understand the passage, the idea was that Matthew hoped that at the party, there would be some conversations with his friends who were far from God and then Jesus and the disciples and maybe a spark would be ignited and maybe a seed would be planted. But in the mix of a party atmosphere, maybe something spiritual would ignite and something good would come out of it. Well, I've been teaching this and practicing this for years. And I throw Matthew parties at my home with people uh, from my community quite regularly. I think who you invite to a Matthew party is very critical. Uh, it takes a little bit of emotional intelligence to decide who around the table would be good with so-and-so and so-and-so. -and -so. If, if you live on a cul-de-sac, it, it might be that uh, four out of the eight homes around the wider cul-de-sac are filled with the kinds of people who would better be together with each other than necessarily inviting the whole cul-de-sac. You have to just think through life stage, age, um, life experience, and figure out, all right, who, who would probably do well together and enjoy meeting each other? And who you invite on the, the Christ follower side is even more important. And my general rule of thumb is you, you need to have a, a three to one or a five to one ratio of people far from God to, than to the Christians. The Christians always need to be outnumbered in the group because if the balance ever goes the other way, then the folks who are apart from faith start to go, oh, wait a minute, we got a gang tackle going here. I think for the average Christ follower, if you want to get in the game, if you want to see your evangelistic energies released, throw a Matthew party. I was sitting on the rail of a sailboat in a sailboat race and uh, getting to know this new crew that we had put together for our racing team. And when the guy next to me on the rail said that his name was Jim Glass, I laughed and I said, well, I went to school, you know, 20 some years ago, 25 years ago, with a Jim Glass in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And he said, what's your name? And I told him my name. And uh, we kind of rediscovered each other 25 years later. He asked me what I did for a living and I told him I was the pastor of a church and he just shut down immediately. I knew right then that uh, our faith journeys had gone opposite directions. Bill and I were raised very similarly. I know his roots. I live those roots. I went to school and the chapel every day and twice on Sunday and catechism and I didn't like it and I rebelled against it but it was force-fed it drove me away from from the church after we were racing together for probably two or three years one night on a Friday night Jim called me and he said I have these Friday night gatherings at my house and wonder if you'd like to come I said, well, what are they? Uh, they're dinner get-togethers with a bunch of friends and guests. And they're very uh, informal, they're fun, um, and they're very relaxed. 
And that was the first time that I saw any kind of personal warmth from Jim, any receptivity to me despite the fact that I was a Christian. And I always make a point of asking people to bring something. And if it's somebody new uh, and they participate in the process, they feel more relaxed when they come in. And so I went over to one of these Friday night gatherings and what a ball these things were. The difference in the kinds of Matthew parties that I throw and in the kind of gatherings that I've been talking about at Jim's house is that these parties were made up exclusively of people far from God and there was no seed sower in the mix. There was just no one to uh, try to ignite any spiritual conversation and that's probably the role that uh, God had in mind for me to play. I think there was a certain amount of reluctance of people who were the regulars at the time because now we have a preacher amongst us. The conversation around the table was just raucous. Okay, well, we'll come back to a little bit of video in a moment, but we see two different interactions there. Um, the first one was that idea that we started talking about last week of the Matthew party. This idea that we could actually organize a party like Matthew or Levi did. He invited all his tax collectors' friends over for a big party bash and invited Jesus over. And the idea was is that, as, as Bill said, that a spark might fly. And the idea for us is that we could actually, um, maybe not a dinner party in our context, maybe, maybe you're into dinner parties, maybe it's the Aussie barbecue, maybe it's um, a picnic somewhere, or um, it could be uh, something else. Maybe you could give them, what's something? I think we talked about a few last week. What could we do where we could invite some people from the community too? Um, watch Bathurst together. Yes, even if it's on a Sunday, you can get a pass from the church, church pastor to, to go and, and, and do some activities. In fact, sometimes people apologize and they say, I can't be with you this Sunday because they're out in the community. You might think my response would be like, no, but I'm actually, like, I'm actually glad that you're out amongst people and, and hope that you'll be able to share the love. <laughs> well, it's true. That's right. I, don't, I want people to be deliberate about their time there, but... It's good that we're out and about in the community. Yes. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, and um, I think that's what we did as a church family last week. Probably the numbers were a bit stacked in our favor uh, last week uh, as we had a lot of people and it was a great gathering. But uh, uh, the idea being that we could ourselves organize something. We might invite, we might even start really small and just uh, invite uh, one couple over uh, and have a barbecue with them at our place or something along those lines. The idea being that we try something um, and maybe it is a dinner party where we invite a few different couples over and, and maybe another Christian couple. Well, I think it's, it's about, yeah, being wise about how we, we run that, David, exactly. Um, and uh, Bill was very clear on that. And then there's, there's other opportunities that we need wisdom for as well because Bill talked about a second situation where it wasn't so much he was organizing a gathering but through a relationship he got invited to a gathering. I'm sure we've all been in that situation where we've been invited and we're likely going to be the only Christian there. And that's an interesting situation to go through. And it's sort of like, well, uh, a bit of wisdom here but 
Bill's response was yes. I'm going to go. I'm going to actually go into this environment and I'm going to go with a really good attitude. Um, and in fact, um, part of going to something like this, it's not us just going to do what everyone else is doing. Of course not. But it's about doing the walk across the room stuff that we've been talking about. Praying about that activity. What could God do here? What conversations might there be? And being deliberate to be full of that grace. We don't go in to someone's invitation, someone's house, and start sort of uh, judging them or, or accusing them of stuff or, or telling them how they're so far from God's. It's about discerning in the right steps forward with God's and, and trying to do the right thing. Is that something we could do? Do you think we can do that? I think we can, and I think it can make a difference in people's lives. We're going to watch another part of the video as we continue now. A few minutes on. Bill talked about some experiences in the video. Um, yeah, we're going up to about eight minutes something. We're going to go a little bit forward because he just talks about goes Friday night gathering. Some good stuff happens, but we're going to pick up towards the end. With a guy that she had been with for 13 years. And I could tell the minute she sat down at the table that night after the prayer uh, that she had something massive on her mind and heart and when we got to the low uh, she just unloaded and probably talked for 45 minutes uh, about her heartbreak and this whole thing the love that was extended to her around that table this was just again a, a kind of family raw we're in it with you our hearts break for you and I remember that night thinking, man, this is a special group. With hearts like these, something good is going to happen in this group over time. It's certainly uh, a much more positive message and one that relates to me much more than the one that I had grown up with. Jim and I have a very interesting friendship. And I came to a point pretty early on where I had to say to God in my private times with him, you know, I'm not going to turn Jim into a project. We have developed a friendship where I trust him. One night after Jim had experienced kind of a disappointment in his life, uh, I spent some time on the boat with him after the other guys left, and I, I gave expression to that. I said, uh, Jim, you know, I'm always going to pray that you'll open the door of your heart to the love of God. I, I can't not, because I, I think in the long haul that would be a blessing in your life. I think uh, it would really offer something great for you. But I want you to know, if you decide to never open that door, it's never going to affect our friendship. I'm much more relaxed about it, and I don't feel like that there is an agenda I built being there, but it does open for freewheeling discussion of things that are spiritual. I think something that's hard for Christians to offer people far from God is a kind of radical inclusiveness. Sometimes we feel like we have to be sort of lifestyle referees for people. And if someone drinks a little too much, if uh, someone gets carried away at a party or misbehaves a little bit, something in us uh, rises up and feels like we got to straighten them out. And uh, that gets misunderstood 
quite a bit by people who are a little far from God. And in their minds, they're saying, this is just who I am. Why, if you're such a spiritual person, why can't you offer a kind of open-hearted acceptance to me? Why are you trying to fix me and change me and, and straighten me out? I, I like where I am, see. My deal is I, I will err on the side of radical acceptance as opposed to the refereeing thing. And I'll stand accountable before God someday. I don't know if, if I'm getting it all right, but I'm going to err on the side of grace giving, that's for sure. I came from a um, Dutch Christian reform upbringing. Uh, we were family oriented, but it was just the family. I can't recall ever having the freedom to bring over a neighborhood kid with me. And I really enjoy having people around. And I really enjoy uh, making people feel at ease and building new relationships. Being in this group has really softened my heart a great deal. And it may end up in, in, in a point where I make the commitment uh, without what we've done, I would never have taken the first step. Okay, what a change between going and, and, and trying to be that, that referee, their, their action referee, as, as opposed to radical inclusiveness and acceptance. Uh, this idea of being full of grace when we engage with people. Grace giving, as we saw in that prayer. I also like that terminology that people are not a project. Um, we're there to form genuine relationships and point them in the right direction and hope that they will choose God. Hope you can see that there's uh, a genuineness to what we're doing and, and, and people will pick the picture that and it will form some deep connections. And I, what I love about this series that we've been going through is that Bill has formed those relationships to model to us. And that as in those relationships, sometimes people will respond. And they will come to faith. And they will find eternal life. It is, it's about us showing grace and pointing people to a saviour so much more than it is coming to, to judge their lifestyle. And a lot of people are very sensitive to this out there. When you think about it, a lot of people are like, well, that's what the church does. That's what Christians do. They're there to judge my lifestyle. I don't want that. But as we come with God's goodness, may we be full of grace and may we point them to the Saviour. And as we get a hold of this, this whole idea of having this bigger vision, this grander vision, this idea of, 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 how, of something great, may we really remember that people are important to God's. That in God's kingdom, people are the priority. May we hope that, that we can take people to God and that they'll realize God's blessing. May we engage with the world around us with uh, meaningful interactions that, that hopefully will take next steps with people. And it's always worthwhile. Every person that's a step closer to God, that's a good thing. People, There's lots of people running from God and we would love to just draw a few closer. When people discover eternal life, it is incredible. So let us get on board with walking across the room and having this grander vision. Let's not settle for a small vision that's about us and getting things. Let's have that bigger vision about what God's doing. Let's pray. 
Our Father, we thank you so much for the gift of life that we have in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to capture this bigger vision. Help us to care about people. Help us, Lord, to be open to your leading and how we can live life with others and how we can share the good news of Jesus in a meaningful way, in a genuine way. And Lord, help us to discern what you would have us do with the people around us right now, with our friends, our family, our neighbours, our colleagues, our, our sports, acquaintances, whoever it is, Lord. Help us to know that you bless us and help us, Lord, to have a Matthew party if it's your will or, or to, to try something, Lord, that your kingdom might grow and that your good news might go out. We pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen.